historians will mark the end of one era and mark the beginning of another. T-E-T-C. The end times continue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the end times continue recording on this, the 6th of November. Yesterday, we all remembered, and then we've all forgotten now. Um, <laughs> I am Dino, and you are? I am Ace. How's it going today, man? Oh, man, uh, a lot of stuff on Twitter's been happening. Has it been? Yeah, I saw. There's yeah, a, there's uh, a, a there, somebody ran festeringasshole.exe. I saw that a second ago. Well, uh, apparently anyone who is impersonating anyone else on Twitter is now going to be permanently suspended unless you make it very explicitly clear that it's a parody. I saw that. I, it does yeah. it only apply to people with a check mark. I thought it only so, applied to people with a check mark. I'm not sure. It might, but his, uh, Elon's original tweet did not specify a check mark, but he makes reference to the check mark later on down the line, so it's kind of ambiguous. I don't know. All right. Well, that's yeah. fun. This whole thing has just, just yeah. been an absolute mess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh it's Kathy funny. Griffin got banned off of Twitter, and now she's using her dead mother's Twitter account. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, just of course the she use. Is. Of course yeah. she is. Yeah. Imagine my shock that someone is that fucking insane. Yeah. Jesus. She is the... She is... Dude, there, there's something cluster B going on with that woman. Oh, yeah. Like, you can it, tell there's some crazy there. There's no health within that woman yeah. at all. Um, oh. Okay, so I've had a hellacious day. I've heard, yeah. I something. spent the entire day, or uh, not just me, me and my girlfriend spent the entire day deep cleaning our apartment. Oh. And the reason that we had to get this done today, we're recording this really late, way later than we usually do. And the mm -hmm. reason that we are so late to do this is because I was in the bathroom earlier, just sitting down, enjoying my time in the restroom, as, as, yeah. as I do. And I'm sitting there, and I hear my upstairs neighbor turn on their shower. Not weird. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, sure. just sound, I just hear the water, you know, in, in, in the walls, right. and I shh kind of low whooshing sound I, and then I start hearing little taps I start hearing little taps above are me are these taps in the room with you right now <laughs> they were I start hearing these little taps these low taps and I start hearing this above above where my tub is now, I know, I know exactly the layout of my upstairs neighbor's apartment because it's the same layout below. So I know okay, that yeah. that sound is coming from right below their tub, where they're currently showering. And I'm immediate, I'm, I'm, oh shit, oh, oh shit. This is bad, that's bad sounds to hear. Yeah, yeah. Inside <laughs> your ceiling when someone is taking a shower above, that's not good. Not a good right, sign. yeah. So, yeah. not long after that, there's a little crack in the ceiling up there, and water starts oh. dripping out of it. Water just starts dripping out of it. Just a, just a consistent landing right beside me. Bloop, bloop, yeah. bloop, bloop. 
well, I know what the fuck is going on here. <laughs> so yeah, that'd be my own personal 9-11, to be quite honest. <laughs> it was bad, dude. So it's like, okay, well, I know what this is. Uh, there's obviously a crack or a leak uh, in their bathtub basin. Not the cool kind of crack, the bad crack. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> and it's dripping onto the ceiling uh, below their tub and right above where I take showers. And it's dripping down and, and destroying from the inside the ceiling above my tub. So uh, we, I told my girlfriend, we got some things together, uh, went upstairs, you know, and after a little bit, I wanted to let them finish the showers. It's been like this, apparently. So I, I, am, I didn't think that they were going to fall through their floor. I said, all right, it'll be fine. Uh, wait till they're done with the shower. Give them time to get dressed or whatever it is they're doing. We go up there knock on them, say, hey, uh, you know, you got, there's a leak below your tub. Uh, your tub leaks into our ceiling, and it's dripping yeah. into our apartment. And so we're going to tell the office tomorrow um, so they can come and fix it. We're going to tell them tomorrow mm -hmm. morning, and they'll get on it. They should get on it immediately. And uh, all this was said by my girlfriend in Spanish, because my upstairs neighbors do not know English, they do not speak it. So, <laughs> she's uh, speaking what to me sounds like Spanish, but I'm sure to them sounded like very broken Spanish. Um, to some extent, anyway. Uh, but she had looked up a couple of things to, before we went over there, so she would know what to say. And um, so, anyway, all that occurs, and I immediately text you after that, and I say, well, yeah. um, the, here's the thing, I have to clean my whole ass apartment because I, my girlfriend and I have both been incredibly busy, she's actually working, and uh, we haven't had time to clean, it's a little bit of a mess. So, we took the last, since, since I sent that text to uh -huh. about half an hour ago, we were cleaning. <laughs> oh man. Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So that's what my day has been like. And now I have to go in the morning, I have to go to the office and say, well, bad news. Uh, you have to do your landlord job and make this habitable because that is not habitable. That's not good at all. That's going to hurt yeah, someone ultimately when the floor falls out from under. And I, I certainly hope I'm not in the shower when it happens. So yeah, that's, that's been my day. I am yeah. frazzled. It was a mess. Yeah, so it was a pretty good day, huh? Uh, one of the best in recent memory, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's much more interesting than uh, election news uh, that I think everyone would, might expect us to talk about, but I kind of don't want to, but we probably will anyway. <laughs> oh, probably. Well, there's the, the, uh, the actual, actual voting day is, uh, is, what, two days from now? Um, Tuesday, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's on Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday. People are gonna yeah. go vote for things. Um, yeah, I, I actually have not kept up with this election season at all, and I usually don't keep up with elections. Like, I'll watch the presidential debates and everything every once in a while, but I and I usually don't keep up with elections. But this election in particular, I've nothing about. You know, we the, talked the about it. I, but yeah, I was gonna say well, we talked about it a little bit, but the. This being a midterm, of course, it's, there's a little bit less coverage, but you would think there would be way more. Like, you would think people yeah. would really be 
Um, you, you would think that there would be a lot more sort of voter engagement with this particular midterm. And I have, I've, yeah. we, we talked about it before. I've seen very little. I mean, the, the, the only people who are really concerned about it are the people who are always concerned about it. And that's the, the political grifters on Twitter. Outside of that, right. I, I've heard nothing. The only thing I've seen is uh, uh, that race. It's in, I think it's in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, you have your TV personality, Dr. Oz versus a stroke victim. Um, <laughs> and that's that's all I've seen, really. Yeah, actually, the Fetterman, the video where yeah. Fetterman is standing in front of the flags and he's giving <laughs> the speech outside and all of the flagpoles behind him blow over and they fall like yeah, dominoes. Blow away. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the funniest videos. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's these it's those types of races I enjoy. Like I just enjoy watching them for the spectacle of the whole thing. Oh, it's a clown uh, it show. Really, you know, yeah, it really, you know, gets that um, patriotic American spirit pumping. Oh right? yeah, it's like oh yeah, this is a true America. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a late republic at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking insanity. The the all the flags falling is very fair. I also saw a Babylon B. Somebody had uh, reposted a Babylon B headline that said, uh, uh, "Fetterman reminds voters that Fetterman is the name of the doctor who made him." <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> it was one of the funnier things. The man, yes, it looks. He looks like Franken. He looks like a bald Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, dude. Oh, glue some God. bolts on the side yeah, of that motherfucker's neck. It's Fetterman, and you know the iconic, um, uh, yeah, like Coca Cola ad, uh, it, with the, um, um, God, I'm I'm blanking on the player's name, but it, you know the baseball ad with the kid handing the the baseball player the Coca Cola. Do you remember that? Uh, you know that was um, Mean Joe Green, uh, yes. in a yes. Coca Cola ad. That was, uh, and he says. Uh, I think he hands him his jersey or something and, and in exchange yeah. for the Coke. And he goes, uh, he says, keep it. Or it's a jersey or a football. He says, keep it. And then the kid mm -hmm. says, thanks, Mean Joe. And that's the commercial. Yeah. Did, uh, did you see Fetterman recreated that? You're fucking kidding me. Look it up right now. <laughs> oh, look, my God. Look, look it up. Okay. I have to do. Okay. Um, it, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. <laughs> Fetterman releases like, campaign ad parodying Mean Joe Green Cola commercial. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't, oh, oh, I saw this. It's shot. It is shot like a, oh, holy shit, dude. This is shot like one of those, like, really bad B-movies that they would, yes. that they would talk about on, like, Best of the Worst on Red Letter Media. Yes. Like, this is shot, it's yes. a flat shot. There's no letterboxing at all. It's a flat 16 by 9 shot no in a framing. hallway. Yeah, it's yeah, not framed no at all. Light. It's obviously lit by the actual uh, light that is in this hallway. Yeah. Like, there's not... Yeah. A... <laughs> like, he just... Like, like, he was just doing this, and someone on his campaign's like, you know what, let's record him. Let's do it. Let's record it, him. This is just looks, a normal routine. It looks like it was recorded... On here, let me turn the quality all the way up to 1080p, and it, it wow, it only got grainy. It looks like it's shot on like a 2012 smartphone. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It's really bad. Whatever camera they shot this with is not a good camera. Mm -hmm. Um, the kid walks out of the, uh, of a door behind him, a random door that doesn't have a knob. You need any help? <laughs> and, and both of these people suck at acting. The kid looked up yeah. at him, the kid go, you need any help? <laughs> like he's reading from a cue card off, out of frame. And Fetterman turns around with his bulbous bald head. <laughs> I'm running for U.S. Senate. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. I need all the help I can get. I need all the you help I can shit? get, he says. Sure. Where is your suit? <laughs> this is obviously live audio. This is, I do not know what they're yeah. recording this with, but it is really bad. It, it sounds yeah, no, like it's it being recorded like off any of any actual mics. Yeah. It doesn't sound like there's any dedicated mics whatsoever. It's, yeah. It sounds like it's coming from a phone. Yeah, it's the onboard mic. There's no sound treatment whatsoever, so this hallway is echoey as hell. It's just white, too. There's no set decoration. It's just a white and brick hallway. Yeah. And your hair. Oh, hey, kid. And, he, and the kid gives him, and Fetterman tries to say no to the soda. Oh my god, they're playing a song in there that sounds like it was recorded like next to the camera. They're playing a song as he's yeah. drinking the cola that sounds like they're playing it out of a phone right next to the camera. I wish that Fetterman versus uh, Dr. Oz was actually a presidential uh, campaign and not just the oh, Senate God. race. Wouldn't that be great? This is, fantastic. this is one of the funniest clown shows I yeah. have ever experienced. I, I, this is yeah. amazing. Because honestly, no matter who wins, it's funny. And he's right? trying to like do, he hands him have... a sweatshirt that's Fetterman branded, like a Fetterman branded sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> and he's already wearing a pretty cool Steelers jersey. Like, the kid's not going to put on this sweatshirt. It sucks compared to the jersey he's already wearing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. This is really, really funny. Yeah. Yeah. They need to frame like, Fetterman um, better. I'm like, it, put, put the camera on a stick so that Fetterman is framed as if the, the person. Recording is like taller than a normal human because Fetterman right. is uh, a ginormous monster and his shoulders, like the way that he's framed, he looks like a monster. He looks like, oh my God, I can see the loft mic. Oh, you can see it in there? Yeah, yeah, hold in on, the video. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm taking a screenshot of this right now. Here. Okay, I have sent you the picture. Look in the Discord chat. It is Okay. And then look at Fetterman's uh, Look at his right shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, dude, like You see I don't the know, love it mic? Just, it's clipped yes, to his yes. collar behind his head. That's why yeah. the audio sounded like shit. They're recording from a love mic. That is behind his head. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I love I love this man. Yeah.
I want him to win. <laughs> he's the he's the fucking best. I love yeah. this guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I want him to win. I, I really do. <laughs> and look at this just a stark white wall behind him. And with this stupid want... love mic just center frame. <laughs> I want him to win and I want him to be the Democratic nominee against Donald Trump in 2024. Oh my god. That would be the best thing. Apparently Donald Trump in Iowa said that he's probably gonna run. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, he didn't say those words. Like, he's being cagey about it. Right. I don't think he, from my understanding, he, usually they don't, presidents or people who are running don't announce before the midterms, generally. Um, right. So he, he, I think he's kind of like giving a wink, wink, nod, nod type situation. And then I do think he will probably announce sometime after the midterms. Yeah. That he's running again. That's what I would expect. Yeah. Okay, you had sent a few things in the topics chat. Oh, uh, that was something things, that you yeah. sent. That, uh, that, uh, that story yeah. from Iowa that he had said, uh, yeah, the quote's right You sent this. The quote's right here. Uh, yeah. And now, in order to make our country successful and safe and glorious, I will very, very, very probably do it again, okay? Very, very probably. That's, that's yeah. what he said. I'm sure he didn't say He's it saying like that. it without saying it explicitly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or actually, honestly, it sounds like a Trump thing to say, so I think he actually probably did say exactly. Oh, yes. No, I'm sure that's just not the way that I say it. It would have been more like, in order to make our country successful and safe oh, right, and right. glorious, I will yes. very, very, very probably do it again. Okay? Very, very probably. Something yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 it's one of my favorite I suck at it but it's one of my favorite impressions to do right no, next to, no, that's a good impression. Right next to Alex really Jones <laughs> oh yeah I love doing Alex Jones though it's, it's... <laughs> oh god we could uh, uh, we could have a whole skit where we invite Alex on but it's just you doing that voice the whole time and we're just like you know yeah just... I don't have so a billion Alex, dollars. You're charging a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, I don't have a billion dollars. Look, I'm bankrupt. I've been bankrupt for, for a lot of years now. I've been bankrupt several times. I don't have a million dollars. There's no way. In, in, Infowars doesn't have a million dollars. We all, look, we, we're selling vitamins to idiots. We don't have a million dollars. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to get a Superman Vitality sponsorship for the show? That, <laughs> that'd be repeat. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that would be great. Um... You said that apparently there's a dick in the sky above Cyprus. Yeah, yeah. So this was, um, um, uh, this is from Politico. Uh, it's a, and this is how it reads. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a sky penis made by a U.S. military jet near Russia's naval base in Syria. Uh, and the, out, the flight trajectory, the outline of it is literally a penis. Yes, uh, they drew a dick with their flight trajectory. Yeah. Um, Honestly, that is the future of warfare. It's <laughs> not even um, firefight engagements or dogfights or anything like that. No, no, no. It's just them drawing penises in the sky at each other. Yes. Uh, and sending, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the world it. Will, that's, that's... We will know world peace when warfare is just drawing penises in the sky. That's right. Um, it's just to see who can draw the longest one without crashing <laughs> or something. <laughs> I do have a problem with Politico here. Yeah? Uh, they said it's a bird, it's a plane. It, it is literally a plane, though. It is a plane, yeah. So yeah. what's what do they think they're... What's the... It's a, it's a plane. 
It is a plane, Politico. So you just said, it's a bird, it's a plane. You just lied once no, and then said a true yeah, thing. Did. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, it doesn't work just, when it's, when it is literally one of those two things, it doesn't work. Dean, you should just write, ty- start typing, just fact checking them right now on the show. Tweet them and just <laughs> hold on. Fact check. <laughs> uh, it is in fact a plane, <laughs> not a bird. <laughs> A retraction is suggested. There we go. All right, incredible. (laughs) Okay. Um, and you had also sent something else that was a. Um, uh, I I think we talked about that already, actually, uh, in a show previously. I forgot. I could. I couldn't remember if we had or not. It was basically. I'll, I'll just briefly go over it again it was the uh, secret service or sorry yeah. <laughs> selective service tweet yes um that basically was parents if your son is an only son and the last male in your family to carry the family name he is still required to register with the sss learn more about who needs to register at their uh, site. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah it's just like it came back into my feed today and i can remember if we talked about it and i'm 99 percent sure we already had but it's still an insane tweet it is <laughs> like, it is nuts hey. and the fact that it's still up and the fact that the selective yeah. service uses hootsuite <laughs> <laughs> i just think it's like hey if you think the last of your bloodline is safe and you don't have to send them off to go die in our wars you're wrong, buddy. Yeah, the uh, the, uh, the I had heard that before, like when I was young, like this was a thing that went around when I was in like middle school and high school was that you didn't have to like other kids would say this. You didn't have to sign up for selective service if you were like an only child, uh, an uh, only uh, an only male child like you like you didn't have right. to do it um, in that situation. Uh which was it is obviously not true. Um, but what sucks too is in Texas. I don't know how they do it where you are, but in Texas, if you don't have a draft card, you cannot get a uh, a. You cannot. Uh, I do not believe you can register to vote. Actually, you might be able to register to vote, but I do not believe you can renew your license. You get your license when you're 16, and it has to be renewed when you turn 18. And I don't think they will do that renewal for you unless you have your draft number. I, yes, I believe that's the same thing here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, uh, bug nutty. Yeah. I hate it. Uh, The fact that the draft is still even a thing. I, I, I I know it's always one of those things where it's like, well, no, it's, it's selective service. See, you, you, you can see, you do this, uh, voluntarily. Yes. Right. Yes. Literally legally required. A voluntary Uh, draft. even if they don't really send people to prison for not doing it, that's never really enforced. Usually, uh, the fact that it's still there, like hanging over your head, present is still a thing, and yeah. they still reserve the right to enact a draft uh, when they need to. So you know, it's yeah, ostensibly lo- it's gone. I am looking up something. Uh, 
Sorry about the silence and the clicking. I'm looking up something in particular because there is a there is a fact that not many people know about the draft. <clears throat> uh, in World War II, a lot of people say that the draft was necessary for World War II. That that in World War II, the United States had to draft people or we would not have been able to win that war. This is a common misconception. Mm-hmm. There was an executive order uh, on December 5th of 1942. Okay? And, and of course, we all remember the date of, of Pearl Harbor. This is one year, basically, after Pearl Harbor. This executive order was Executive Order 9279. And what this executive order did is it made it impossible to volunteer for the military. Oh, yes, I've heard about this. Yes, yes. Because there was so much, uh, there were so many people volunteering, the uh, recruitment offices and the training centers that they were using at the time were overcrowded. They could, they had to they had to basically get rid of the volunteer side of things so that they could actually control the flow of people into the military. There were too yes. many people signing up and they did not have space for them. And so they made it impossible. In fact, uh, I guess in a sense, illegal to volunteer. The draft was the only way that anyone got into the military from 1942 through to the end of the war. That was the only way anybody got into the military. Because too many people volunteered. And one of the fears that they had, and this is something that I found, uh, I can't remember where I read this, but I thought it was fascinating. One of the reasons that they did this is because there were far too many people volunteering and the economy was going to fucking collapse. Because nobody was working. Everybody was signing up to go to the military. Right. They thought that the, the actual manpower in the country was going to be drained faster than the economy could adjust to it. Yeah. And they needed to slow that way the fuck down. So uh, the people who say people who say that we needed the draft in World War Two, eh, eh, you're against the draft, but you know we, we needed that in World War Two. No, we didn't. I love how every argument, like anytime someone proposes any type of anti-war argument, everyone just defaults to, oh yeah, well, what about World War Two? Because it's and the it's last like, justifiable just... war the U.S. was a part of. Right. And like <laughs> the, it's like every time they they talk. They only know about World War II. They, it's like they have an entire folder where they can just bring up points about World War II. And oftentimes they're just wrong on those points, but they, they, have, they bring them up with the assurity that they're correct uh, to talk about, oh, well, if we had it your way, you know, uh, Hitler would have taken over the world or, or yeah. whatever bullshit they're probably. Exactly. But it, it's, yeah. Yeah. The, well, Hitler would have won without the draft. No. Right. No, yeah. he, he wouldn't have. Um, yeah. If, if, they, if they had stuck with a volunteer military and when people came in, they didn't have to use the selective service system. It's just what they had. They, they absolutely right. could have had a ticket system where people went in to volunteer and basically took a number. And it was, okay, oh. we'll call you up when we need you. Go back to work. 
You know what I mean? I also, yeah. There's so much, like, bullshit about World War II that people just, like, believe and will just regurgitate. Because, you know, they, they don't know any better either. They, they've heard it so many other places. Like, you know, you hear this lie everywhere. It's like you can't distinguish it from truth enough times. It's, it's kind of like this idea that, you know, I've heard some people tell me that we got, like, this, well, some people will even say this about the U.S., but they'll say in general um, the Allies got into war with Germany to stop the Holocaust, which is not true. <laughs> No, <laughs> that, that it's, that's not historically true. Uh, just, when when you when just, you look at the things that Roosevelt said about Mussolini, <laughs> and that Hitler said about Roosevelt, Roosevelt was a fucking fascist. He liked these people. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like like this the, the the entirety of the New Deal was praised by Hitler and Mussolini. And Roosevelt had some kind things to say about Mussolini as well. Oh, yeah. The, this, the, Amer- the United States was a fascist state during this time and, uh, you know, has yeah. never not been as a result of a lot of the policies from yeah. Roosevelt. And that's the thing, too, right? When you when you talk about that, like sometimes when you when you say that America was a fascist state during this period, uh, people will obviously roll their eyes or like, oh, well, yeah, they, we were nothing like the Nazis. But it's like, no, fascism has many different flavors. Not all of it is it like Nazism. Not all, fa- uh, you, not all you, you fascism know? is National Socialism. I mean, it just so right. happens that Roosevelt was a National yeah. Socialist. I mean, right. But, all but Nazi, that's not all, all that fascism fascists, looks like. Not all fascists are Nazis. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the, like, the, the like, kind of fascism that Roosevelt did was was insidious and 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 okay. uh, terrifying and all brought in under the sort of auspices of economic pain, um, right? When and turning around and blaming Hoover for the duration of the of the uh, Great Depression. Yeah, it's uh, ugh. But that whole period in history is is so aggravated because nobody knows like what's actually going on under the surface Every, everyone right. just thinks oh roosevelt the guy who got us into world war ii and we beat hitler because of roosevelt it's like exactly no. world war ii like um for obvious reasons obviously you know but it, it takes so it, like everyone focuses on world war ii and they actually never really look at like the domestic policies of the united states during that period and like how those contributed to things or even how uh roosevelt himself his uh foreign policy also um made things somewhat worse in the war um oh yeah you know, th- these things are just like overlooked all the time uh it's yeah yeah but roosevelt was a was a dyed-in-the-wolf fascist it, they, like they, oh, these yeah. people are i mean he was just like mussolini and that, I mean, I'm yeah, not even oh, joking. Yeah. I mean, he was just like Mussolini. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the difference like the between deal, the two is very, the very The New small. Deal was a very, like, fascistic document. Oh, yeah. It was a, a fascist project. On all this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, the, the entirety of the Western world was becoming fascist at this time. Why do you think the United States was somehow uh, immune from this? Right. The, 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 the early and middle 20th century, were, that's when fascism was the West. Yeah. Like, why is, why is Roosevelt somehow immune from that? Uh. <laughs> it just it bugs me. <laughs> but yeah, the executive order 9279, that's, that was the executive order that made it, basically made it illegal to volunteer, and the draft was the only thing going forward. 
Uh, which is why when people quote statistics about that and they're like, well, you know, uh, 90-some percent of American servicemen came from the draft during World War II. We absolutely needed the draft. Well, 90-some percent came from the draft because it was illegal to volunteer. <laughs> right. It was the only way to get also, into the military. Just like the optics of what that says, it's like the government saying, no, you're not allowed to do this voluntarily. We, you're only allowed to do this if we say you have to do this. Yeah. Absolutely. When yeah. a war is justified, people will show up. When, right. when, 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 when people actually think that they need to take up arms mm -hmm. to defend their homeland, they will do it. <laughs> right. And there was a guy arguing just like, I don't think, I don't think that, that modern people would do that. And it's like, uh, well, I mean, what does the draft do about that? Right. If your concern yeah. is that the people I mean, are too weak. Yeah, why would you want them in, in on the front lines? Yeah, right? you're just sending weak well, people yeah. into war at that point. What, what do you think? That, yeah. I mean, which is both immoral and ineffective. Strategically. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you're begging like, to lose. You don't win on any grounds here. <laughs> like it, it's all yeah, it's all bullshit. How does the draft fix that problem? It, it's just ugh. right. It's nonsense. Defending I mean, the draft is nonsense for nonsense thinkers who are who believe nonsense. Yeah. And it's always the, oh, well, you know, uh, the, the people who always talk about the draft, 90% uh, of them in my anecdotal experience always are people who are either too old to be drafted, which is funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, the people who ardently defend it or just the people who, you know, would be able to get out of it somehow. Oh, right? sure. And I'm good. Good. I'm glad. I, I hope you don't get drafted if you're oh, that yeah. person. There's but nothing wrong the with drafting. being a hypocrite. Yeah, the fact that you're being a hypocrite and advocating other people go fight and die for you is just, like, cowardly, like, bullshit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and there's a number of people who I've run into who were drafted themselves, a lot of Vietnam-era guys, who, like, were drafted themselves, and their whole thing is just like, well, I was, and I went, and I did my duty, and everybody's like, shut up. The fact right. that you got fucked does not justify you fucking someone else. Sorry, yes, you got yeah. fucked, and dude. And so many... And so many, exactly. And so many people have that mindset. It, it, it manifests in like two ways. I'm pro probably more, but two main ways I see. Either it manifests in the way that, well, I got screwed over, so those other people should be screwed over too. Um, that's a very common mindset you have with a lot of people over a lot of different topics. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then there's also the where they try to reframe their suffering into some heroic achievement. Right. Yeah. Like they'll try to reframe like, well, I did my duty. I serve my country when really they just got drafted. Right. Uh, right. And not to say that, you know, nothing they did was heroic or anything like that, but it mainly to say that uh, they're just trying they're trying to take their suffering and turn it into something heroic, which I can understand. But it's still like as a as a when, psychological when just as a psychological yeah. trick so that you don't live so that you don't have to live with the um sort of constant understanding that you got fucked that's a terrible feeling the right. feeling of just it like is. man i got fucked that is a that is an right. awful feeling yeah so i can totally see uh, having to flip that it is it, it does always bother me though about like whenever now the draft doesn't come up a huge amount it's not something i like encounter a lot online but whenever it does come up the amount of people who just argue that for ad advocate for explicit slavery, just all like all, oh, yeah. nothing as if they're just talking about what type of tea they should buy or, the, oh, yeah. you know, the, or the government should this should be the government tax policy or something like that. Just willy nilly. 
Just like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. Uh, the, 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 one of the worst arguments that I see used to defend the draft all the time is the argument, and they always revert to World War II, and they never talk about Korea or Vietnam. But right. the, the, these people who say that it's you fulfilling your duty to your nation or your fellow man or society oh, uh, or whatever they're using to fill that placeholder bullshit. for some invented yeah. authority that they believe that they have to convince themselves exists. But mm-hmm. there's this, this whole, that whole line of argument is, is based in the faulty assumption that I owe anyone anything. And right. outside yes. of that, it's it's based. That you in... have a duty to die for other people because yeah. your government told you or some shit, or it, or it's it's in the social contract. Like just get fucked. Uh, yeah, just yeah. go die in a hole. If you want me to owe you, here's a here's a secret. You want me to owe you? Be valuable. Like like it's, <laughs> the only thing, the only reason that we do anything for anyone else is because we get some kind of value out of it. And 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 this is the this is the floor of the argument that I have with people who argue for like pure, um, p- very the very pure form of uh of um oh shit what's the word that I'm that I've lost now, uh helping other people the the it starts with an A, do what altruism altruism yes pure altruism i don't know why i lose that i just lose words sometimes um the i do it all the time the very pure form of altruism i don't believe really exists i think i think we we are there is some part of us that part of our social evolution makes us feel good when we help and it's it's an internal reward system um it's like not expecting anything in return it's it's there's an internal reward system that makes you feel good to help. Um, and that, that to me is what drives altruism. I don't think there's any true altruism, but that's that, that kind of thing. That's the basis of human, of, of us owing each other things. Right. I mean, this is talked about actually in what social animals owe to each other. Um, a little bit, but the, but to me, I, I do not buy that. I owe you anything just because we happen to live it within the same political border. Right. I don't owe anyone anything on that basis. I owe my friends things. I owe my family things. I owe people who who have helped me things. I I owe. There's a lot of people who I owe, but yeah. it's not just because they exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. The amount of people who will just read something in their like civics textbook, uh, specifically about you know social contract theory, uh, and it'll just like they'll just regurgitate it as oh, it, yeah. it never any question to like well. Is this really a thing, or is this just a metaphor that tyrants use to get you to uh, be enjoy your own enslavement? Right? Like the piece, really? That's all it is. It's just a rhetorical tool. It's not actually a thing. Uh, it's not a, like. I, and also, like social, you we could really peel back social contract theory, but like the whole <laughs> idea that well, there's these special people, right? When when you ask people, well, what justifies the state? They'll say, well, the social contract. Okay, where does the state get the authority uh, to make a social contract? Well, the state's authority. It's circular. Yeah, it's completely circular. It exists because it must, because we say it does, because it must. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's that's. I, I took a class in undergrad. I'm very happy that I took this class. This was a class that was entirely, the whole class was just reading in, in, in chunks, in, in just chunks that we would talk about when we, when we met as a class, just 
reading Leviathan. Huh, yeah. That's all it was. This was this was the whole class. We we only read Leviathan and we took it a few pages at a time and just ate Leviathan just slowly. Right. And one of the and it, that is the best way to come to the uh understanding that Hobbes was full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and didn't know anything. Which he can't be blamed for. I mean, he's going off his best estimate of human nature and early man. But we know more about early man now. <laughs> and yeah, I... that, that, to me, that, that was an eye-opening experience. Reading Hobbes, page at a time. Did the same thing with Rousseau in another class. I, I took a Rousseau class. Uh, yeah. um, I go and... back and forth on who I hate more, to be quite honest with you. I don't oh. know if I hate Rousseau or, Rousseau or Hobbes more. Um... I think it's Rousseau. And I think it's Rousseau for one reason. I I think it's Rousseau for one reason, and that is he had the ability to know better. At the time. Yeah, I I think I I buy into that. I kind of feel like I still feel a more resentment to Hobbes, but I think that's only because I feel like Hobbes won out. uh, Oh, uh, like ideologically. So I kind of blame him, uh, his his ideas for like people's like mindsets now. Um, But I do think Rousseau was probably a worse human being uh, for sure. And I think uh, his his formulation of the, and I mean, his formulation isn't much better than Hobbes, but um, there's parts of Rousseau that are just like, yeah, slavery. (laughs) Exactly. That's that's one of the things that that's the thing that makes me hate him the most is I think at the time even he had the ability to know better and didn't and elected not to like it's willful right um that that that's what but Hobbes to me was just doing the best with what he had man like there was no there 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 was no anthropology for Hobbes you know what I mean there was no evolutionary psychology for Hobbes right. Yeah, Hobbes is kind of like when when you especially when you like read Leviathan, Hobbes is trying to like almost create his own like creation story and like creation myth. He's kind of trying to like almost develop his own anthropology of what he thinks things are. Yeah. Um and from from scratch sort of thing up until like the state. Um because oftentimes, you know, th- one of the big problems with the so like with one of the biggest problems with the Enlightenment is that um, like liberalism in the classical sense was all about um, indiv- it, w- it was primarily about individualism and consent was a big thing. Right. But the problem is um, and, and the people like the, the Enlightenment thinkers knew this. They, they understood that, oh, we have a problem here. Um, a lot of our ideas are founded upon this idea of individual autonomy um like uh free thinking and consent but then how do we justify the state we cannot Uh, justify our own existence yeah right they saw the problem with this uh and i think they just came up with a bullshit solution where they (laughs) yeah absolutely Uh, yeah the social contract is just the um secular version of the divine right of kings that's all it is yeah absolutely yeah yeah oh that's yes it's all it's all uh a legitimation myth um that's what the 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 process of legitimation that that uh godwin describes um not godwin i'm sorry um uh max oh shit uh i forget his last name now weber max weber yes the the um the process of legitimation is is just the creation of myths 
that justify the state's existence. That's all it is. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I uh, we don't have to stay on the social contract too long, but I do think it's interesting because it's like, you know, the easiest way to like talk about the social contract and to show why it's just special pleading ultimately is that if you had a mafia and they did the exact same things the state did, but they were a mafia explicitly so, uh, no one would try to go out of their way to legitimize it, um, mostly. Anyone living in a state today uh, would see a mafia and would see what they were doing was wrong, but the moment you put on the clothes of the state and therefore somehow everything is legitimate again. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just, well, it's just even, a fantasy. Even further, if any, if any organization did the things the state does, they yeah. would be called a mafia definitionally. Yeah. Yes, it would be an extra legal. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it. it, it so the uh, state has rule. The state is justified to do commit these actions um, be, uh, because I guess these actions, you know, well, well, the, the claim would be, well, the state is justified. But the problem is you have to ask yourself, why is the state uniquely justified in doing this? If it's okay for the state to commit these actions, why is it not okay for a similar organization uh, to copy this structure of the state and then commit those actions? Um, they don't really have a good explanation that I've ever heard for why that distinction exists, why there should be a double standard there. Yeah. Um, and that's ultimately where the social contract falls apart. Yeah. It's where it necessarily must fall apart, logically. Like, yeah. there's no, there's no, you cannot argue that and just like that the, the idea that i that there's a duty owed to society or the country or whatever that justifies slavery um right. again it's an unnecessary argument first off because people show up when there's a justified war when when right. people exactly. the us was attacked and immediately everyone wants to fight <laughs> like it's right. not it's not weird it's expected <laughs> right um so it's it's not only is it unnecessary, but it it defies um, it defies everything. It's illogical. It's unethical that that you would that you would say no. I'm I'm allowed to enslave you and force you to fight my battles because uh, you owe me because right. we and we also both just happen to exist. We we both happen to exist on a similar proximate piece of dirt. Like, because right. you're on this piece of dirt, this artificially, this line we artificially drew on this piece of dirt, you're therefore obligated to commit these social functions that I think you're obligated to commit. And, yeah, it, and it, further, so it also, they also, it also falls, again, this is why they always go back to World War II. There is nothing about my, let's presume such a duty exists. There is nothing about mm -hmm. my duty to my countrymen, my country, my society, whatever, government, whatever it is. There is nothing about that duty which would justify my fighting a war in a French colony. Right. Nothing. There's no justification based on duty to society. There's no justification for drafting people to fight in Vietnam. None. And also, you know, one of the arguments for um, drafting people is, um, well, if we're about to be attacked and I, I need to be defended... Um, then it's okay for in that situation for me to make my neighbor defend me, right? To force my neighbor to defend me because I, if I don't have that defense, we're all going to die, right? If we're about to be invaded. Uh, well, if it's justified to enslave someone to fight for you, 
uh, to stop some immediate threat coming your way, then it seems that the person who's about to be drafted would also then have the right to draft someone else uh, to defend against you who's trying to draft him, and yeah. then it can go on in an infinite regress forever. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, it, it, there's an interesting sort of angle to that too. You made me think of it. There was a there was a movement um, that was government sponsored in in the UK during World War One, um, where women, pretty girls, like pretty young women, would huh. find men in the street who looked like they could volunteer, and they would pin a white feather on them, signifying that they were cowards. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's one of those things that, okay, a, a government-sponsored program like that is insidious, but, but it does kind of speak to this idea that socially, if you actually are in danger and you don't want to fight for your community, um, it, it, for the safety of your community, and that community is actually in danger, and you don't do that, uh, your community is not going to like you very much. Right. You know what I mean? It, and, there's a, there's a right, social the pressure there. That, yeah, but on the other end of that, there are people right now who are conditioned to think that if you don't go and throw your life away for some, like, uh, dust bucket in, in over in some country right now, uh, that therefore you're, you know, a bad person. There are right. genuinely people who do believe that. Yes, yeah. yeah. But that's the, that's the difference, though, between, a, like, legitimate community defense, right. like, legitimately right. defending yourself against a threat, and... Uh, fighting a, a war to make sure that Raytheon uh, get makes their next quarter earnings call. Right, like that's the <laughs> like that to me is the the difference. But like that the uh, again World War Two people showed up. They people showed up in 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 such a mass that they had to tell them to stop. <laughs> yeah, and they will. I mean, I, I trust that people will defend their community when their community is actually in danger. Right. But that doesn't mean I'm worried about fucking Putin in Ukraine. I, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a Slav. I'm not, I, I, have no, right. I have no connection to this. I know why it happened. I, it, it, I, I know why all this is happening. It goes back years. I know what the U.S. did to cause this, which makes me less, you know, willing to fight on behalf of the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. If they wanted to get involved in this. The reason that comes to mind is because didn't Biden said something that was like concerning uh, last week, didn't he? I can't remember. I remember uh, seeing it in a couple of places. Probably. I think I might have missed that, though, or I'm not recalling at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, you know, he doesn't have any fucking clue anyway. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> know where he is. Yeah. <laughs> can't walk the right direction off a stage. Oh God! He still thinks that Obama's in the White House. Sometimes he's like looking for him in the halls everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There's no um. There's a. Uh, <laughs> oh God! I just don't. I. I uh, yeah, definitely not a late republic. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, um, no, certainly not. Yeah. So I did see in a couple of places. Every now and then Mastodon gets talked about. 
on on Twitter in particular. And part of the part of the reason it's being talked about now is because of the Elon thing. And people have decided that the decentralized nature of Mastodon is the problem. Oh. Decentralization is bad. Okay. Uh <laughs> Why do they think this? Um, okay, I will, I will go to, because I think this is a good sort of description of what's going on. Uh, uh, Joanna Blackheart on Twitter. Uh, reason number two that Mastodon's bad in this thread. Um, I don't want a decentralized social network. Decentralization in this case is a major problem. You know all those Twitter problems that happen when networking goes down? Imagine that, except now the system manager is the weirdo who lives upstairs. Anyone, anywhere can run a Mastodon instance. If that's good, if you want it, uh, or that's good if you want, you know, a Nazi world. But if you just want a general world where the rest of us non-Nazis interact, that sucks ass. Decentralization in this case favors fascists. Mm, okay. There was another guy, Dave Troy, on Twitter, who made a similar point. Now, this is a guy with 110,000 followers. He says, as long as Mastodon's model is separate but equal facilities for Nazis, it's unclear. By the way, people keep calling it Mastodon. It's the Fediverse. It's not just, it doesn't just run on Mastodon. It's Mastodon, Pleroma. There's several APIs. There's several backends you can build, but it's the Fediverse. That's what you're joining is the Fediverse. People just call it Mastodon. It's not Mastodon. <clears throat> as long as Mastodon's model is, quote, separate but equal facilities for Nazis, it's unclear to me how it will solve our societal woes. Why do you need it to? Why are you saying social network, please solve our societal woes? Yeah, what the fuck are you? What please world save do you live me, in? daddy. <laughs> My concern isn't being, quote, exposed to Nazis. The issue is that they're self-radicalizing. Federation was the basis of the CSA, TBH. Uh, for those that don't know, may live somewhere else, that is the Confederate States of America he's referring to there. Federation as a concept in networking apparently means that you are a Southerner who would fight uh, for the South. Hey, guess what? <laughs> we live in a world where there are multiple states right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, the, 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 uh, the series of pamphlets that were published supporting the Constitution of the United States of America, um, what were those called again? The Federalist Papers. I wonder what it was exactly they were, they were looking to do. Couldn't have been Federate, because that's, that's what the CSA did. Right, and they wouldn't want to be, you know, they wouldn't want to, you know, do that. So, yeah. obviously, well, we they know the CSA was bad and not yeah. America. And so there's no way that right. a federation could describe the United States. Yeah. There's no, no way at all. Right. No, no. And there's no way that a federated oh. server in networking could mean something a little more technical than the Confederate States of America. Right, yeah. You know, Dean, the real problem is that everyone is their own person and they're not the same person. And that's a problem, see? Uh, you know, because, I agree. Uh, the, uh, you know, the CSA, um, they were multiple people, too. They weren't one person. Oh! And now, 
So basically, everyone is just a confederate. You see? That's oh, how that works. no. Yeah. Well, hold, oh, hold on, though, because it's not even good enough to just be one person. Because one person, you think about it as like one person, right? But it's not. Right. It's a bunch of cells. Oh, right. You can't, you can't just be one person because one person is made up of, a, of uh, what one could call a confederation of cells. Right. That's right. Yeah. So you know what we need to do? Kill all the humans. <laughs> I was going to say reverse evolution and go back to being single-celled organisms, but yours works too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, we get to the same place. You know? it's, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, these people are stupid. I just, I, I, I cannot stand discourse like this. I just cannot. <laughs> take I, oh, you know what's great about them too? They vote. They serve on juries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are wonderful, aren't they? Like, these are really the caricature of, well, well, did you know the Nazis drank water? You know, that, like, they're literally the embodiment of that. Yep. Like, it's like, oh, the, the bad people did this thing, therefore that must be bad. Uh, it, it's just such, like... Federation it's just was the basis of the CSA. Right. What do you think Federalist Papers refers to? Yeah, you know, I am I am man. losing my goddamn mind. <laughs> I can't. I you know, can't. it was really bad having certain places where they had plantations full of slaves. So instead to remedy that, we're just going to make one big plantation where there's oh, no separation. And we could put we everyone the, on it. That's right. And then we'll have a, the equality we've always wanted. Uh, yes. And then... And then everyone will be a slave, and then no one will be. You see how that works? Oh, I see. That makes perfect sense. The second tweet yeah. in his thread, the only thing, this is capitalized, the only thing that matters is the effects of these technologies on society and whether they make us more cultish, unruly, and ungovernable. The tech and features are irrelevant, but if they don't lead to a more complex, less imbalanced society uh, uh, than if they don't lead to a more complex, yeah. less imbalanced society that supports democracy. Because the last thing cults want is unity. <laughs> oh, fuck, you're right. <laughs> Holy shit. The tech and features are irrelevant. If they don't lead to a more complex, less imbalanced society that supports democracy, the only technology that is, that is important or allowed to exist is that which leads to a less imbalanced society that supports democracy. I, oh, okay, I, I'm, this, this is so, like, there's so many different points of attack you can make on this argument that it's oh, actually it's giving just, you choice paralysis. It's just retarded from the ground up. I know, but, but the point is, like, Okay, for one, the technology obviously is just a tool. If you think that this is going to make people uh, like 
have diverging or it's going to allow people to like create these echo chambers and have these diverging opinions and there's no going to be less uh unification in order to quote unquote you know support a democracy those people with those opinions already exist and they vote already yeah so this whole idea that well uh, if we give them if, if they're in their own space over here then that's you know bad for democracy because that means those people exist it's yes like, yeah they exist no matter what uh, so you, you, them he being over up, there is he not says changing he, anything. He says he wrote up a whole white paper, but then he says, actually, it's to your point. And this is the this is the reason these people are so fucking. You know what this is? I think I'm. I think what, I'm gonna what? say. I'm sure I'm not the first to say this, but I think I know. I think I can diagnose this man. He has centralization brain. He can't think outside of centralization right. he cannot conceive right. of decentralization and how that works and and the concept of it and i think this tweet proves it yeah. that said i think a lot of people can oh yeah he says he says that said it is decent that mastodon is defederating nazi-ish content okay what the mastodon the main mastodon instance that started that's run by the guy who made mastodon that instance on the fediverse is blocking servers that they find objectionable. Sure. But that doesn't take them out of the Fediverse. Right. That just means people on that particular instance can't see the content. Right. Anyone else who hasn't blocked that server can. Right. Um, so, so he can't conceive, he doesn't know how decentralization works. He can't think like a network. He, he only thinks in straight lines, one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Right. It's one of those, it's, it's so crazy too, because it seems like whenever people talk about this, these types of things, and I agree with what you're saying, how there's like this incapability of understanding like how decentralized systems work. I'm almost perplexed about how, like, how can they even conceive of the world? Because even with states, even with the large amount of states that are we have now and that are bad, the world itself is fairly decentralized as it is now. I agree with you. Yeah. In, yeah. in comparison, in comparison to how it could be theoretically, um, well, it's uh, fairly decentralized. Yeah. Uh, there could, like, you could conceive of a, a world superstate, and from that reference, we're fairly decentralized. Um, sure. Right. And specifically, there's all these moving parts all the time. Uh, in the market uh, and such that um, w all these like uh, nodes in a system running autonomously, relatively speaking, um, that create things, you know, it's like iPencil, right? There's all these I was about to, to reference iPencil. Yeah. In answering yeah. your question, a, I was about to reference yeah. iPencil. And, the, and I think the answer to your question is they can't. They don't yeah, think right. of things. They just don't. This is the reason they can't think past first order effects right. is because they have no concept of eye pencil. They don't know. Right. They don't know how these things work. They can't look at the side. There was an interesting, there's an interesting YouTube video that keeps getting suggested to me that I've never watched because I know what it is. And it's, uh, the, the, it's about the side of a package of peaches that says uh, grown in Argentina, packaged in Taiwan. And and they cannot conceive of how that makes sense. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, I know the video right, is explaining right. why it makes sense, right? And that's why I haven't watched it. It's because I know why that makes sense. But uh -huh. they would have no clue. Right. They don't they don't know. They they yeah. can't 
think this way. They, they can't think, that's, again, that's why they can't think past first order effects. Yeah, it, it's one of these things, I almost think it's almost an argument from ignorance, because it's one thing, right, when, when we talk about markets, especially decentralized systems, um, one of the benefits of decentralized systems is that you have multiple points of like each node you can think of is almost like an information source, right? So like every time you're interacting on a decentralized marketplace, um, all these different producers and consumers have specific pieces of knowledge that the other person does not necessarily have. And um, through transactions and through interactions, this knowledge becomes cumul cumulative uh, to the point where we get things like the price system, right? Right. Uh, things like that. Things no one person could ever correctly uh, like sit down in a chair, analyze graphs, and come up with on their own. Right. It, it would be impossible. Well, it, they might be able to do be... it at a moment in time, but as soon as some circumstance somewhere changes, Change as soon scenario, as yes, any variable exactly. moves, they're, right. they're wrong again. Right. And this is all the argument against like a, a supercomputer, like uh, trying to uh, calculate like market activity. You might be able to get it for a second, but it can't calculate people's values changing in real right. time. Um, and yeah. So so uh, like you have all these like uh, dispersed information pockets uh, through decentralization and it allows people like consumers to get information whenever they see a price, whether they under whether they explicitly understand the information or not, they're getting at the very least tacit information about the product. Right. So like obviously something really expensive, you can take a gander on uh, how scarce the uh, components are or sure. the, the product, the full product. Right. Itself or, is. or what uh, it represents. I mean, you think about exactly. about a designer T-shirt versus a versus a regular fucking T-shirt exactly. I would wear. One of them costs 12 yeah. bucks and the other one costs twelve hundred. Well, right. they're they're yeah. effectively the same thing. There's cotton that's cut into a shape and sewn together. Right. But. Yep. But the the difference is that one of them has this logo and the other one doesn't, and you, and the, and the price tells you that, right? So with with all these different types of like, uh, uh, if you just had like one guy, which I almost think is how they envision it, it's how they envision things running, right? Almost through the eyes of like an executive or something, yeah. Or how they think an executive functions, uh, where they have that. Well, this this. You have this guy at the top, and he tells everyone else what to do, and they do it, and then things happen, and they work. That's how. That's just how things work. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's it's one way. It, it only it's from the top down, and that's how things are run. That right. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's I I truly think that's just how they see not just like not just like the government, but all things really. That's how yeah. they see all. It's, things it's how they from their perspective uh, is how the world works. Yes. Yeah. Yes. As, uh, uh, he, he continues to prove this. Uh, he says, the question we all must ask is whether technologies we promote will lead to more or fewer mass shootings. I would suggest that hardly anyone has thought to consider that. We should. Some say, quote, isn't it good to banish them? And yes, that sets norms, but it also fragments society and creates relativistic islands of belief. Des uh, designs that tend towards a single, more normative commons may be less likely to grow cults and extremism. We need to consider this. So um, again, the decentralization is the problem. Yeah, you know, you know, it was fairly unified. Uh, Nazi Germany. Well, he actually, yes. And, and uh, the next tweet is fucking worse. He says, Americans tend to overemphasize the individual. 
large scale oh. you always know you're gonna get smart yeah. talk when you hear shit like that yeah. from these retards Here we go. <laughs> large scale systems information comma society are collective phenomena oh boy in our quest to devolve systems toward individual action, we neglect outcomes. Are we making it more or less likely for our kids to get killed at school? God. This man is a retard. Like, this dude is, is functionally, yeah. I don't, he's functionally retarded. He cannot conceive yeah. of, of the world. Like, also, uh... It, it, you know, this whole idea of, well, well, decentralization leads to, uh, you know, all these bad outcomes. It leads to a, a less chance of a unified cultural norm. One, that's never existed in America. Ever. Nope. Ever. There's Not never been one single, uh, you know, countrywide cultural norm that everyone in every geographic location of this place called America has existed. Yeah. It, it's not, it's never happened. Uh, like, uh, America isn't even, like, some people say, well, America is two cultures. No, it, it's much more fractured. Yes. Uh, they're, they're, and it's always been this way. That Like, uh, you go state to state, and they will look on other people in different states, uh, sometimes with disgust, or at very least, uh, a, a, a general dislike. Uh, yeah, or, uh, disdain. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the, the idea, the idea that well, we're all united under this one American banner—it's all just bullshit. It's all just mythological, patriotic bullshit. It's not real. Um, and I know people like to think that, but it's just like it—you it, go anywhere in the country, and you'll find people who just do not like other people from other states within the U.S. Yeah. Uh, just because of where they are geographically came from. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the idea that. You know, we've we've all we've had this cultural norm in this country. It's it's not real. Oh, look, have uh, you ever spoken to somebody from Wisconsin? They're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's, also that's um, a joke. <laughs> yeah, it, like like these people. I'm not about, sure like, if you know, anyone listens in Wisconsin, but that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke, unless you were unless you yes, were unless you live in Wisconsin, Wisconsin in particular, you, you suck. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but uh yeah dude this whole idea of well you know uh it could lead to cultish behavior uh well uh the worst cult i know of is uh this um devotion to the united states government um that has killed millions of people um in its lifespan uh and people will hallucinate uh, this institution as a legitimate authority that yep. they owe their money and even their lives and their children's lives to uh, as it murders people across the globe and uh, enslaves them here uh, and throws them in prison. Uh, and, so and the idea it, that they will. Uh, so, but, but, you know, uh, we wouldn't want cultish behavior. Sure. Uh, but it's uh, not just limited to that either. You think about like what what authority? Did they impute to the former CEO of Twitter that they do not impute to Elon Musk? And where does that authority, that, 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 that trust in the decisions of the individual, where does that come from? Right. Like, what, 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 they, they, for some reason, the, the last guy is, right. is better than Elon Musk. Why? Well, I think his second tweet, or I don't know if it was the second or third tweet, but the the latter tweet where 
he's talking about like how well, we don't think about consequences enough. I, I think this guy is only concerned with consequences, right? So it's like, oh, sure. if the last CEO of Twitter is uh, doing things that he views as helpful to democracy, then that therefore retroactively makes the guy, oh, the, uh, uh, well, you're, previous you're, CEO good. You're absolutely right about that. He makes his fundamentally uh, broken core ethic of vulgar consequentialism very mm-hmm. clear in response yeah. to another person where he says, uh, uh, somebody says the point of mass, not, uh, but the point of mass. This is a response to the first one where he says that Mastodon's not going to solve society's problems. Which, duh. Um, but yeah. <laughs> he, uh, the, somebody I'm, says, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to pull into Arby's in the middle of the night and like, why haven't you solved one societal <laughs> problem, sir? Like just. Yeah, just ask the cashier at Luby's. Why haven't? Why hasn't Luby's Corporation solved the problems of America? Ugh. Um, someone responded, but the point of Mastodon, uh, nor Twitter, for that matter, is to fix our... Uh, should say neither Mastodon nor Twitter, but in any case, is to fix our societal woes. That's society's problem. The idea is for users, like me and many other people, not having to be exposed to the cesspool of Nazis, etc. And the guy's response to that is, the point of everyone... The point, the point, of everyone's time on Earth is to make a society that's less horrible. If we make designs that don't actually improve it, that's arguably a net negative and should be condemned. Not saying that's the case here, but we must ask the question. The point of your existence, Ace, yeah. is to make a society that's less horrible. Right. What that means, he doesn't say, but I assume it has something to do with being afraid of a lightning strike condition like a mass shooting. Yeah, I can infer what he means, and he wants cops to crack people's skulls open for his view of the greater good. Yes. That's what he means. That's exactly what he means. Yeah. And I'm tired of, like, the euphemism, right? Like, if Sage just came out and said, yeah, I want want cops to go uh, uh, crack people's necks and break their skulls to uh, create my society, I would uh, be horrified, but I'd respect the honesty. Uh, I'm really tired of just the euphemisms that, well, you know, we're just obviously good people. Stop pretending. Stop pretending you are anything other than what you are. Exactly. Yeah. So this whole like uh, tiptoeing, you know, dancing around the fact that these people at the end of the day uh, are completely fine with having cops because they're too cowardly to do it themselves. uh, Have cops point a gun at you for not doing what they want you to do. Yeah, that's, and, that's and of course, end. And, and, and of it course to someone, to yeah, absolutely. And of course to someone with this, with, with this particular brain disorder that makes it such that he cannot conceive of a network effect, he cannot conceive of a decentralized system, meaning, of course, he cannot conceive of society as it is right. and always has been and always will be as a networked aggregate of human action. He can't right. conceive of these things. And so, of course, his solution is top-down control. His solution is right. uh, one thing affects this other thing, and uh, second, third, fourth-order effects, unintended effects, those aren't even considered. And his ultimate argument, and again, this is not unique to him, but like every time someone talks about unity, if they really mean it in like a, a true like political sense of unity, which is that one unified polity, um, there's their only argument is world government. That's the end yes. of the logical argument. Yes. If you follow that argument to its logical end, it ends at world government. Because every other, uh, like, if you have, if he doesn't, if he doesn't want um, decentralization at all, if he thinks decentralization is just bad, um, 
then he shouldn't want other states having their own unique, uh, you know, boundaries or polities. Exactly. Um, which I don't either, but I want it for the exact opposite. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, you also, uh, I mean, it's yeah. the, it's the reverse really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the reverse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I find that the, people like this and this, this dude's, I think this dude's thinking is emblematic of a great number of people. And, and I think I this comes down, I, I think the, the best examples are found from like the COVID stuff, like all the things that people wanted to happen during COVID and still want to happen because they think COVID's still happening. Um, the, the, all of that, that all of that is, is, is it, it, it illustrates a mode of, uh, thought that is fundamentally broken and that's why i say like i'm i'm happy to call people retarded but i think this this is an actual form of retardation where like (laughs) it's and i mean that in like the most literal sense it's a it's a complete lack of ability to conceive of the world yeah uh I don't know. Yeah, go, you know, I, I always go back to iPencil. I think iPencil is one of the best, like, little uh, booklets, uh, essays. Ever the the most, the most knowledge and and the most um, effective method by which you can explain thinking about yes. the world to a person is just to have them read iPencil. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just economic. Um, it's it's everything is I pencil. No, yeah, it's it, it, it's not like <clears throat> calling it an economic uh, essay is almost um, devaluing it in a certain way because like it's not what you would expect from an economic essay. Uh, yeah, it it really does like make you see things that you would take for granted normally walking through your everyday life. The right? density, the, people... the 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 density of the knowledge that's in I pencil, if you yes. just apply it, is yes, it's outrageous. When you walk through a grocery store or any store, any, when you walk through anything, when you, when you walk down your street, what you're seeing are finished projects, right? What you're not seeing is all the information required from human beings and individuals and all the disparate resources that went into that final product that made it to your, uh, your house or something in the mail, right? Yeah. You're not seeing that. You're not seeing all the countries that had to be transported through to create that final product. You're not th- seeing all the labor from all the thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of individuals who had to put that thing together. You're not seeing all the resources that had to be dug up uh, prior to that, years prior yep. to that, uh, to, to make the product that you're, you're ha- you have in your kitchen. And, uh, and, and you're, yeah. you're also not thinking about at every single step along the way. The entire community involved in that industry, whether it's pricing wood, pricing, uh, make, pricing the lead, making it, whatever it is, at every step along the way, every single individual in that, in that industry is also playing a role because they're setting prices. There, there's, yes. a, there, there's every, it's, it's, the web it goes beyond the the idea that well this is where you get the materials for this thing it's it's everybody who mines those materials is interacting in the setting of prices and and everybody who contracts with them is interacting with the setting of of contract terms and prices and at every step it's everyone's involved yeah prices are ultimately just information right like there's obviously you know the, the the cost component to it but ultimately it's an information signal and that's what the market is the market is a web, uh, really uh, like a, a never-ending web 
um, that distributes information to other people um, in a way that no uh, like one person could ever do or even groups of people could ever do. It's just too much, too, too much information right. that any one person could ever calculate in their head, even with like a 4,000 IQ. It, can, it could not be done uh, by one person, by one supercomputer, uh, by one guy at the top. And, you know, obviously Mises and Hayek talk about this all the time. But, you know, it's it's the idea of the socialist economic calculation problem and the not Hayek's um, um, uh, tackling of the knowledge problem, which is also right. very good. Um, and obviously, you know, I pencil. It's just fantastic. Oh, God, um, it's, it's wonderful. Read I pencil. Yeah. Everyone should read it. Uh, everyone should read. Yeah. Uh, everyone should read I pencil because of. Yeah. Well, just what it, we it said. It makes the, you appreciate the, things too yeah. like as you said it's not just like an economic thing it genuinely makes you appreciate um things you would just find mundane in and your it, everyday life it's a little scary too once you start thinking yeah. once you start thinking in the mode of networks and everything is a network yeah. everything is a decentralized network of information and products that that ultimately lead to the apple in the grocery store um yeah. like everything is that yes it's very yes. frightening then to look around yeah. you in the grocery store and and then wonder if all of this goes away, how fucked am I? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's a it's a it, it, it's, we exist on a knife edge. Yeah. It's with like, all this, you know, one, um, you know, one natural disaster in Dubai or something like that someplace across the world. And there could be major ramifications. Right. Yeah. Uh, your everyday life i mean i mean the, uh, that's the, also a possibility yeah one little but, thing but to be fair to be fair that the fact that the market does um streamline knowledge uh and is the market is so good at um uh creating knowledge at a fast or not creating knowledge but distributing knowledge or, or information sorry distributing information at such a fast pace um the market can is probably the best thing that can actually like respond to that in a timely manner. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so it be, yeah, but sure. it is, it is uh, kind of scary. It's, it's, it's frightening for me just to consider like, okay, so one thing changes on the, on the, mm. on the socio uh, global, uh, I'm sorry, on the, on the global political landscape, one little change. Mm. All right. The United States is no longer the world reserve currency for oil. The petrodollar right. goes away. Okay. What happens after that is the collapse of the American economy and the American dollar. Yeah. Like there's uh, no, there's yeah, no getting around one it. Thing. Um, markets, uh, obviously this isn't really a knock against markets themselves, but having a market economy um, through with uh, backed by fiat uh, is not exactly the same. And that's thing. what I mean uh, when I, when I say we're all on a knife edge, there's no foundation for right. for the market it's 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 yeah. it's literally a, a castle of uh, a castle of sand it's a house of cards it, one one thing changes uh -huh. and the whole thing falls apart the and that's that's the scary aspect of it to me is right. can i get food if i don't have this paper that everyone accepts as representative of some value right yeah yep that's the that's the scary thought for me because I know how complex these networks are and I know how much time it's going to take to rebuild them. Yeah. And and it's and it's one of those things that dude, it is a it is a legit every time I go to the store I have this thought. Every single time without fail. Yeah. 
And, you know, this is also something, uh, and, you know, it's obviously scary, but it's obviously, you know, uh, uh, there's always this debate between, well, should you grow your own food or is that just not worth it, right? Um, I think, well, I I think you should know how to grow your food. You should know how to get food in in like a worst case scenario. Um, Maybe don't devote everything to making your own food or do, you know, this is America, do what you want. Sure. Uh, But, you know, in the same way that, you know, no one person created a pencil, uh, you know, if you grow your own food, I think that's great. Um, but I think there's some people who will say we should just not go to grow. There's there's a certain type of like vulgar homesteader or prepper. Oh, yeah, say, yeah. We should not use grocery stores. We should not trade outside of our local community. We should all, we should all just grow our own food. Those types of people. You're stripping uh, all the value yeah. out of the market as it exists. Like you're you're you're. Yeah. All of this stuff that we just said is incredibly valuable, even though it's a house of cards. There's no reason not to take yeah. advantage of it. Right, exactly. Like, don't shoot yourself in the foot early, right? right. Like, know how to grow your own food. Um, have that prepared just in case. But don't say, oh, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, know how, you know, have preparations in place if you were really worried about that. But don't go like, oh, well, I'm growing my own food, so why would I? Why should I go to the grocery store? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't it doesn't track for me. But I mean, here's the thing too. I mean, on that uh, kind of to that point, um, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot, and I think there is a simple answer to this. To some extent, I think there's a simple answer to this. Of course, there's a little bit of practice involved and stuff like that to get good at anything, like growing your own food or whatever it is. So having a garden is nice and all these other things. But mm-hmm. I think the single best thing you can do is spend the money on a hardbound encyclopedia set. I think if you have a hardbound encyclopedia set, if you need to learn how to do something, you can learn it from there. Oh, yeah. I've seriously been thinking about this, and, and, the, and the, the, the number of people talking about this, I've seen no one else mention this. But if, if, you're trying to be, if you're trying to be a prepper of any caliber, own an encyclopedia set. Yeah. You, you can oh, yeah. teach that's, yourself that's to do just about anything. Just own an and encyclopedia also, set. Know, They're expensive, but own you, one. Hard copy. Right. And also, you know, if you're a prepper, you may not uh, think this is a reliable option long term. Uh, but also, the Internet is at your disposal. Yeah. So learn. Uh, you can learn anything you want on the Internet. Like, yeah. The, the totality of human knowledge exists on the Internet, uh, as far <laughs> as we know. Uh, so you might as well, you know, don't say that, oh, well, I can't learn that or I don't know how to do that. No, YouTube it, Google it. You can. I promise. You'll be on the start to learning. Someone out there uh, has had the exact same question you have. And that goes all the yes. way down to very specific niches. I bought a I bought oh, yeah. a an auxiliary transmission cooler for mm-hmm. my truck. And it's like and I'm gonna install it and I wanted to make sure it was gonna be able to handle the heat. And so I went on. The number of people who have had the exact question I have, will this auxiliary transmission cooler handle the heat from my transmission? And it's just, uh-huh. just there's like three or four different forum posts where people respond and have all these different things. It turns out the best answer is just buy something to monitor the heat, <laughs> but which I was trying to avoid, but okay, I guess I can do that. But that's the answer right. because everyone else, again, there many people have had this question. Goes back to our, and that also goes back to our decentralization thing, right? Yeah, that yep. is a decentralized, uh, you know, 
you came to that answer through a decentralized means. Other people had that question. Other people imbued that knowledge onto other people. And it, it created this kind of network effect that led to you on finding an answer. Um, and, and that's ultimately like, you know, it, what, like in the same way that we could not expect one person to know everything, uh, we can't expect one person to know even most things right. or uh, many things often. So, the, yeah, the, the whole idea of centralization, not only it, it's like the, once you start to peel back the layers of, of what when people say, well, we need a centralized anything, really. Mm -hmm. um, it really just falls apart, right? It's just like, it, yeah. it's dumb. Well, because it, it yeah. turns what could be a strong system into a house of cards. I mean, we've seen this on the internet. Right. The, the, the number of systems that go down when Amazon has a problem. Right, right, right. Like, centralization is bad. It is a weak system. Yeah. Yeah, if you think it's bad that a decentralized system can go down when a certain uh, number of like nodes in the system fail, uh, try try a centralized system and yeah. see how bad that one. See what is. happens when yeah. when one link in a, in a centralized chain fails. Yeah, it's it's absolute nonsense. There's, people do not want to harden against anything. I mean, his whole his whole yeah. ideology is based on this idea of like, but is it going to make school shootings more or less likely? Uh, which, by the way, they're already incredibly unlikely. I don't see how they get less likely, frankly, um, statistically. But uh, but even outside of that fact, uh, it's you you basing your decisions on that single thing. I don't I don't see how you can say that you're building a system of any value or strength when your answer is and just centralize it. Yeah, just centralize it. Yeah, just centralize it. Yeah, single authority, you know, tells everybody what's it's absolute nonsense. Yeah. It's the, we, one of the dumbest we, threads we ever. To, we want to have a unity of central authority uh, where, you know, people won't have niche esoteric opinions because, you know, we don't want people being cultish. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. And, and here's yeah. the other thing, too. There's a there's a fine line. If you actually want to talk about about the, the after effects of, of, you know, societies and radicalization, all this other stuff. Um, yeah. Timothy McVeigh lived alone. So, so the thing is like, like the idea like there's a fine line when you're talking about these kinds of things, you, you just can't account for, and these people can't account for it because they're idiots and they can't conceive of different individuals interacting and that those different individuals may respond to different things differently. Um, the, the, the idea that you can just isolate someone to where it's only them and expect that they're not going to do anything violent as a result. That's insane to me. It just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make yeah. sense at, at its core. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I just wish these people would just say, "Yeah, I want cops to go kill people I don't like." Just say it. Just say it. Just get it over with, please. Ted Kaczynski lived in a fucking cabin away from everyone. It didn't make him safer. <laughs> <laughs> It's <sighs> ridiculous to me. Yeah, it's so infuriating. Just like every day seeing the same people, the same shit like this. It's just like eventually you have to think that, oh, certainly maybe, you know, we'll see something better, right? We'll see some better class of uh of retardation that isn't as retarded. Oh yeah. It's uh, but I think I think that is the core of it. I think I think I do, what I, I have what I have been calling the inability to think 
past first order effects, right? Like, and, and I've, and I've been, I've been talking about this forever. Um, not forever. I've been talking about this since early COVID is kind of the first time that I was like, Oh, people just can't think. Um, the inability to think past first order effects, I think actually is a symptom of this problem. Centralization brain. Well, it's like, well, if we just give everyone free health care, then everyone will have free health care. Or if we uh, if we just give, you know, if we say the if we just make the minimum wage fifteen dollars, then people are going to have fifteen dollars an hour. Right. This is the kind of person, though, too. This is the kind of person, though, too, who has in his bio. He has two things that to me make me want to laugh harder than just about anything. One of them is at TEDx Mid-Atlantic. Oh, no. Do you know what TEDx is? I do. TEDx, for those who don't know, is not TED. Those aren't yeah. TED Talks. If you see a TEDx talk, that is a, an independent thing that licenses the TED name. Yeah. It's like... That's not a TED Talk. Yeah. Um, so the so... that you're putting in your bio is Yeah, like, TEDx oh. means nothing. Yeah. Anyone can do TEDx. Um, and immediately after, it says cryptocurrency opponent. <laughs> <laughs> so this dude is just, just a dummy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is the type of dude that like gets spoon fed uh, government talking points on the back of cereal boxes and then just like repeats them on Twitter. Like oh, that's, yeah. a, that's what this dude is. It is, it is just a, oh my God, he, he got blocked by Edward Snowden. He was very, very proud. I'm just hating this guy now. I'm sorry. This isn't the 10 minutes. Hey, yeah. this, this is about the three, yeah. <laughs> um, which I'm done with. I'm, I'm, but I think that's what it is. I think centralization brain is the core problem for these people. They can't yeah. think in networks. They only think in right. centralized terms. Right. Uh, is, uh, yeah. I don't know. It, it's so infuriating too, because obviously when you talk to these people and you try to explain like, and also it's funny too, right? Because the, these people claim to be consequentialists, but it's always so ironic to me that the consequentialists, uh, the supposed some of these people who claim to be consequentialists can't think past first order effects, as you yeah, said. Like what right. type of self-described consequentialist? So like, we really need to think of the consequences here. Also, uh, we're just going to take these things at face value. Uh, <laughs> consequentialists and- who have no ability whatsoever to consider consequences <laughs> right yeah oh shit you're right oh yeah. that's a kind of irony that i i didn't even yeah i didn't even notice that that is amazing it's so good i appreciate it it's like all right yeah <laughs> I, I can i can get down with that yeah holy shit that you are 100 percent right um so yeah people people don't get anything um yeah I understand if you're complaining about Mastodon is that it's hard to understand. Like, I get that. It's Mastodon. The Fediverse is a complex system, and it's really hard to explain it to people who don't really get tech, right? But just not understanding the concept of decentralization and not being able to think in those terms is a, I believe, it's a form of retardation. Because it it means there's a mass of things that you just can't consider. Right. Um... I also wanted to talk about this, and this is something that I mentioned I, I would want to talk about a little bit. Have you heard of the documentary God Forbid? Uh, no, I don't think so. At least not the title. 
Okay, this is a documentary. It is newly released to Hulu. Um, about the Falwell scandal. Do you remember? Oh, okay. Yes, yes. This is a, uh, this, um, for those that don't remember, Jerry Falwell Jr. is the son of Jerry Falwell. Um, Jerry Falwell Jr. ran Liberty University. He was a, yeah. a, a powerful ev- political figure for evangelists in particular. And, and his father was the guy who ran Moral Majority. Mm-hmm. The, the actual organization, not the, not the loose idea that I'm talking about when I usually say Moral Majority. I mean the actual organization, the Moral Majority. Mm-hmm. His father ran it. Yeah, And this goes back to the 1980s, this goes back to the Reagan administration, this goes back to getting Reagan elected, and then also the, uh, the, 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 the point in history at which evangelist uh, Christianity and conservatism became inexorably linked. That happened at that time. This is a, this, it's a phenomenon of the late 70s and into the 80s. And we've never gotten past it. And a lot of that falls on this man's father, Jerry Falwell. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the ostensibly, the, the, the documentary is about the scandal wherein Jerry Falwell Jr. was discovered to enjoy watching people fuck his wife. Mm-hmm. He is a cuck. And the individual, uh, he was, they were in a relationship with an individual, a, a guy, who they met poolside at this hotel. Boy, right? Yes, he was running the pool. Yeah. Uh, he bring people towels and stuff. He was in the relationship with them for about seven years. Uh, the relationship in which he would fuck Jerry Falwell Jr.'s wife and Jerry would watch. So, this, this all, this, you know, you would think that that would be like what the documentary cared about the most, right? Is, is right. this idea. Well, it's actually not. At a certain point, the, this relationship and the, the terms of this relationship sort of become background noise. And what it's, it's actually about is, are the ways that Jerry Falwell Jr. manipulated this kid. He was 19 when they met. Manipulated this kid. Got him looped in on business deals such that the kid could not cut ties with them. Oh. Yeah. That's what's interesting. Because what's interesting about this, and I think the documentary understands that what's interesting about this is not the cuck thing. Right. What's interesting about this is how the Falwells manipulated this kid's circumstances such that he was kind of trapped. Because it's too dangerous to let him go. Right. And it involves uh, Michael Cohen and, and, and a bunch of people, the, 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 that fixer attorney that Trump had. Um, and it, it actually, it, it seems as though Michael Cohen may have convinced Falwell to endorse Trump. Oh, really? Yes, because Michael Cohen had material. He had the dirt. He had dirt. 
related oh, to this relationship. Yeah. Now, the, the kid says, I think Falwell would have endorsed Trump anyway. But, and I think that's probably true. Yeah. But the, the it's interesting. <laughs> right. And another interesting sort of aspect to it is it, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to remember before 2015. But yeah, I think Fal- history started at 2016. Yes. Before that. Yes. That's when before time. That's exactly. That's when history began was 2016. But if we can remember yeah. beyond that, Jerry Falwell Jr. was always kind of, he was always an evangelical sort of figure culturally, but he wasn't really the political force that he was until the Trump endorsement. And when Trump's team would put him on TV all the time to cover Trump's ass. I mean, it was, it was Jerry Falwell Jr. that they sent to do interviews when the, uh, the tape from the, um, the, the grab him by the pussy tape came out. It was Jerry Falwell Jr. they sent to do interviews and run interference. So that's when he became a political force, a real political force. That's when, when he was inside on the Trump circle. And it's an interesting thing that, that the way that they sort of track Jerry Falwell Jr.'s rise to political prominence with that of his father's in the lead up to the election of Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a mirror image, and this the, it's it's such an interesting documentary. Now I will say the last three minutes suck ass. <laughs> the last three minutes are some of the worst fucking documentary filmmaking I have ever seen. Oh no! Without trying to draw a logical line to anything, it's just bashing Trump. That's all it is. Oh, Without God. trying so they to, try to, they loop in January sixth. They loop in the Dobbs oh. decision. They loop in all this shit. And the Dobbs decision they could have looped in because it 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 really tracks with the evangelical conservatism and it tracks with mm-hmm. the the polit- the stated political goals of the moral majority under Jerry Falwell and Jerry Falwell Jr. The it it tracks right the Dobbs decision you can loop in but they they looped in like January 6th as if it was you know the way that it's portrayed this big violent insurrection and all this other bullshit and and they they so the last 3 minutes is awful it's terrible but that's almost like you know when that type of stuff happens it's almost like you're you you get this sometimes when you're reading certain philosophers where you'll read them and they'll be they'll they'll be really good points it'll be very well or whatever point they're making it'll be very well articulated uh and you're reading and you're reading and you're reading and then they're like and that's why we have to kill these people (laughs) (laughs) and you're like whoa hold on (laughs) yeah it's just like it's very like much like that. Under their underlying deep-seated resentment about something just comes up, bubbles up to the surface at the crescendo of their book, and you're like, okay. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. Right. It's very much like that. It's very much like that. So so the documentary itself is very interesting, very cool. There's a lot of fascinating stuff talked about. One of my favorite periods in American political history is the early 80s and, and late 70s when evangelical Christianity, the the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. Holy shit, the story behind that is fascinating. The, 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 and the way that the complex sort of interplay between evangelical Christianity and conservatism and the fact that it didn't exist before. 
People think, people think like Christianity, evangelical Christianity and conservative Christianity have all, or, uh, and conservatism, political conservatism have always been hand in glove together, but that's not the no. case. They weren't like that until the late seventies. Yeah. That's when that happened. Hell, evangelical Christianity didn't exist until the revival right. in the United States. And that happened in, in yeah. the middle uh, 19th century. Evangelical yeah. Christianity is new. Yep. Even on a Christian timeline. So this whole thing, like this, uh, it, it's, it's, it, that's, that's one of my favorite periods in American political history is the period when the evangelical Christian community married the conservatives it, and it's and it's it's a fascinating little thing it's it used to and then to think it used to not matter mm-hmm. it used to not be that way apparently somebody's kid was stolen oh timing uh, couldn't have been worse. I, was wondering, I was wondering what that was i was like uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah, it's a it's a fascinating thing. It's a, it is a fascinating uh, period, and the fact that they loop it in to give context to why Jerry Falwell Jr. matters, mm-hmm. it's such an interesting thing. And and, yeah. and so I recommend this documentary to people if if you're interested in shit like I am. I recommend this documentary to people. Just know it's pretty political, man. There's there's some shit in there that's just eye rollingly political and not not deeply thought out. But it's, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting, the story it tells. And I was yeah. kind of happy... Do what? No, I was just going to say, I, I find a lot of documentaries like that. It's like, I like it. Uh, but then it's just like, they, they throw in stuff that just, like, just makes my eyes roll. It's just like, all right. Well. There was a little bit of that in, in one of my favorite documentaries of all time. It might be my favorite documentary of all time. Um, it's called, I think it's called the first rainbow coalition. Um, I want to make sure that's right. Uh, yeah, it's called the first rainbow coalition. It's on PBS. It is one of the greatest documentaries ever made. And it talks about a period in a place that is incredibly fascinating. This is about Chicago in the 1960s in the slums. Mm. The thing that this documentary brings to people's attention that nobody fucking knows about, except maybe people who live there. There was an alliance in the 1960s between the Black Panthers, the Young Lords, and the Young Patriots. And these were uh, the the young page. Everyone knows who the Black Panthers are. The young patriots, though, this was a bunch of white Southerners, poor white Southerners who had Mm -hmm. moved to Chicago in the 1960s. And so you have from this period, and this documentary talks about it, you have Black Panthers along with white. Southern guys with Confederate flag pins working together on shit. 
It is one of the most fascinating documentaries ever made. I'm going to have to watch this. I've never heard of this documentary. Oh, dude. The First Rainbow Coalition. Fucking watch it. It is oh, incredible. Okay. Incredible. And they did a thing later on where they had the, of course, there's a, there's a thing. There's, a, there's one eye-rolling moment in it. One eye-rolling moment. And that is there's a moment where one of the kids who was one of the young patriots, I believe, who he starts talking about like, you know, we didn't understand what the Confederate flag represented, but, but now we understand what it was. It's like, shut up, shut up. I don't want to hear about this. <laughs> but it happens once. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It happens once. There's one eye rolling moment in the whole thing. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to check this one out. I've never heard of this actually, dude. It is. This is one of the greatest documentary films ever made, and it's it, because it's because it it kind of it it draws into stark contrast what I've said forever, which is that there is no, um, the the that that. Poor people understand better mm-hmm. what race represents, what racism is. Poor people understand better. Oh, yeah. Because if you grew up, especially with poor Southern family, or if you are a poor Southerner, you're mm-hmm. sitting at the same fucking table, cracking open the same shitty bag lunch with the black guy who's about to go do the same shitty job you guys do together. Mm-hmm. This, the poor people understand this shit better. Better than fucking rich academics writing fucking papers about systemic racism and then the... Shut up. Talk to the poor. Right. And they it, get it. it actually, I, think, I think it actually goes back to uh, what we were saying about like people who can't see past uh, first order effects. I feel like poor people or people who are negatively affected by this system are more reactive to second or third order effects because it actually affects them. Yep. Um, as opposed to people who only propose policies but don't actually see the, out- the direct outcomes of them or feel them, I should say. Yep. They don't actually feel the outcomes of the policies they propose. Um, whereas someone who's poor or maybe uh, a, a certain political policy is negatively affecting them, they're, they're at the very least more on guard um, to second, third, fourth order effects than the average person. And they feel it. Yes. They yeah, feel yeah. it. And, yep. they've been, and they've been fucked before. They know, yep. what, they know what's happening when they're being fucked. They know what that yep. looks like. <laughs> so so it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating documentary. It's, um, it's, I recommend people watch it. I've seen it a couple of times now. I need to watch it again, actually. But it is, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing documentary. It's amazing. Uh, the First mm-hmm. Rainbow Coalition. It was made in 2020. Uh, uh, directed by Ray Santisteban. That's the guy that made it. It's so fucking good. (laughs) It is so good. (laughs) My dad actually recommended it to me. And I was like, holy shit. That's a good find. (laughs) And I love, I I, I watch a lot of documentaries. This is my favorite one. I watched the History Channel's American Revolution series. The the multi-disc set, I had it. And I watched all of it. A couple of times. This is better. And it's one documentary. <laughs> it's not like a multi-disc thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check this out for sure. This looks really... I was looking at it while you were talking about it. It looks really interesting. 
Oh man, the the, the killing of Fred Hampton plays into it. it it's it's uh, it's amazing. It is amazing. I really, really, I really recommend it. It's it, again, it just it proves the point that I've try, been trying to make for a real long time, which is poor people get this shit better than academics do. Oh yeah. It's a. It's just. It's great. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So God forbid. Also, if you're, if you're, if you can look past the the several eye rolling moments, and God forbid, that's an interesting story as well. But the uh, the 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 first Rainbow Coalition's better. Watch that first. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's, I don't know why I, I don't know why I thought of the first Rainbow Coalition, but because I, I just uh, initially I wanted to talk about God forbid and a little bit about the uh, the the evangelism and and the the conservative right. evangelical sort of complex, but uh, this is this is better. The first Rainbow Coalition's better, <laughs> but that is an interesting time in political history. That that the yeah. where before the Christians and the evangelicals were. Married and like joined at the hip. Right. Or, I'm sorry. Before the, right. the conservatives and the evangelicals were. Yeah. Yep. And most people don't know there was a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Most people don't know there was such a period. Right. But the 1980s were terrible for American culture. <laughs> yes. And the 70s. I think the 70s were 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 bad, but the 70s mm-hmm. begat the 80s. And, and the yeah, 80s are, are just the worst. 100%. Yep. Anyway. Good music, though. But yeah, politics, fine music. Uh... Well, then we also got disco. Which is... Well, that was more of a 70s thing. But it I mean, was, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about disco. <laughs> we, we bury it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all I had, man. Was there anything else that you wanted to bring yeah. up, sir? Yeah. That, that was all I had as well. All right. Well, uh, okay. How about plugs? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, you can find my Substack at acearchist.substack.com, um, and you can find me on Twitter at ace underscore archist. Uh, what about your friend? Your, oh, yeah, yeah friend. my friend Pacing Joska. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, on Twitter, Pacing Joska, J-O-U-S-K-A. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think it's kind of a there's a weird situation where it's like I've uh, never like yeah. met him and um oh, generally yeah. we can't be on a call together. Um yeah, schedule, weird scheduling conflict. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. You've never seen me and him in the same room. It's very strange. Um yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, pacing Jessica, J O U S K A on Twitter and then uh, uh alternative internet radio for Dino Files ARAD.io uh, and then uh, I think that's actually. I think that's it. I think that's all I've got. Yeah. Okay. Have a good one, guys. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the End Times Continue. For links and other information, come see us at tetc.show.